Well, hello and welcome to episode number 427 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos and in this week's show, Ryanair's Michael O'Leary upsets me. We take a look at the Skytrax Awards, but where did BA place? And one airline is going all Pikachu. In the military news this week, we get an update from the CV-22 Osprey recovery operations. It's all going well. And the Hurricane Hunter P-3 Orion launches a new drone technology into Hurricane Ian. So joining me this week, and he's not stressed one little bit, it's... Matt Smith. I'm not actually. No, I'm quite chilled out about it because I'm 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 now not that anybody particularly cares, but I'm now on holiday for two whole. Well, weeks. open the beer then. <laughs> open have. the beer. I have. Look, I've got a very nice. Uh, explain me. Explain what this is. What is this? The Modelo. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a kind of it's a mix between like a crafty and then like an ale kind of thing. It's, it's nice. It's got a, quite a hoppy flavour. It's delicious. That's what it is. Hmm. Mm. Mm. It's very nice. It's it's, mm. it's one of those ones you see on those celebrity programs. A lot of the celebs drink that stuff. Oh, do they? Well, obviously, yeah. obviously, I'm a you know, I know, aviation I know. podcast celebrity. Obviously, uh, I this I this <laughs> evening I've got a nice uh, New England IPA, right? Just uh, for the benefit of the listeners. Okay. Anyway, so as you were, <laughs> as you were, joining us this week uh, hello, as always. Way, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's this week, as always, he's back from doing about four and a half billion hours in the aircraft this week with BA. It is, of course, Neville Bounds. It certainly felt like it. It's been a very hectic week. Uh, been in Stockholm and other parts of Sweden uh, all week. Got back yesterday morning and, uh, yeah, it was uh, quite the journey. Lots of train delays and derailments and all the rest of it. But um, I'm back to tell the story, so that, that's good. Sounds like you've had a, a fascinating time. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly hectic. And the next few weeks is just, I mean, obviously I like flying, but, I mean, there are <laughs> limits. You know. Are there? Wow, OK. Yeah. You heard it here first people <laughs> do, do, have you not got to that stage yet nev where because of the amount of airports that you frequently fly into and out of don't is there not a thing now where you, where you go in these airports and, and the staff know who you are no i think uh, it's quite a, a turnover to be fair I think we're a long way off that somehow <laughs> uh, um, i've just got to give a quick shout out oh. to the jersey customs and excise people they have actually been brilliant again when we took the camera uh, to jersey we had to do a bit of carnet business um and uh they phoned me up today so yeah it's all gone through and here's your money back as well um, oh so that's great and uh, so nice they're so accommodating and um their the forms a little bit complicated to fill out and obviously i've got the a pea-sized brain so i'm not very clever with this sort of stuff but um they were absolutely brilliant and uh, they've been so accommodating so that's been a nice change i must say very refreshing yeah. yeah, it's good. They were nice. They were good. It was a pleasant airport to uh, to go through. I will say that, Jersey. Yeah. But uh, he's back again this week. We've managed to to get him back on the show again, which is always good to have him on the show. Two weeks in a row. This is a bit exciting. It's two weeks in a row. I know. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's safe to say that over the last few days, I think uh, um, Armando has been chasing the storm, particularly last night as well. So, Armando, welcome back. Hello, guys. Hello, listeners. Hello, everybody in the chat room. I'm just happy to be here, actually. Uh, I am on the outer bands of uh, Hurricane Ian right now as it hits Charleston. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, here in Charlotte, it's pretty rare 
to get a hurricane. And uh, I think the last one was in 2018, something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's pretty blustery outside. If we lose, if we lose Armando today, you'll know why. It's because the internet got knocked out. To be fair, it's it's picked up rather horribly here as well. When I I, I got positively wet when I went and dropped a laptop off to uh, Carlos earlier on this evening. That was most unpleasant. My- I have to say. I've seen, I suspect you have as well, Matt. You've seen the, the reports on the news with the uh, floods that have been going on over in the States. It's been mm. mad. It has. It really has. Really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've been hit really bad, hit really bad. Yeah. Hopefully, um, you'll be you'll be safe anyway. I'm on is, is there much expected where, where you are? Because, you, as you say, you sort of managed to fly around the outskirts of it, basically. But I presume it'll, it's coming your way, is it? It is. Uh, the hurricane is currently in the hurricane form and it is hitting Charleston, South Carolina, which is just a few hundred miles south of here. The problem for us here in the central Carolinas, it's going to linger. So it's going to come up the coast, uh, kind of hang out. And then the way the weather patterns are right now, it's just going to linger here for the next couple of days as it does a loop-de-loop and then goes back out to sea. Um, So over the next 48 hours or so, we're going to get just kind of, uh, socked with rain and and uh, and some winds, so yeah, just you know, it is what it is. Wow, so, are you got are you got any preparation to do, um, Armando, or do you? Is it not going to be bad enough? For- no, not for us, not this far inland. I, you know, we we've got the refrigerator pretty well stocked. It, you know, it's always funny when hurricanes and storms and winter storms hit. And everybody goes to the grocery store and gets milk, bread, and uh, and like cheese. And was like, "What are you gonna? Are you gonna make milk milk sandwiches? What are you, like, I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a fridge full of frozen meats and you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand what goes through people's minds when they're storm prepping, but uh, I'm perfect, perfectly happy to pick up the scraps and just get you know pints and pints of ice cream and. I guess toilet paper. You're right, Micah. Ice cream and toilet paper. That's all you need to survive. Very important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you remember, Nev, that storm, that hurricane we had back in, was it 1987? 87, was it? 87. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole country is brought to a standstill. Yes, there was lots of, uh, it, it was the same story, wasn't it? It was toilet paper, uh, cheese, milk, um, <laughs> and... Oh, the newspapers, that's right, yes, because obviously there was not much in the way of, well, there was no social media then at all, so that was the only way you could get your news apart from the... Um, but it's the it's the panic buying that annoys me with stuff like that, isn't it? You just sort of mm. think, well, if everybody had to, you know, it's like everybody's assuming they're going to be cut off from the rest of the world for like three or four weeks, and in reality these days that just that just isn't the case, is it? No, no, not at all. I mean, we get three or four snowflakes here and we're completely shut down, snowed shut in. down the country. Yes, shut down. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, lovely anyway, though this is. Yeah. I know. Let's move on. <laughs> so thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. You know, we'll have a look in the family members list. We've got Dirk S. Good evening. Richard Adams. Uh, Mazus is also in there. Uh, we've got our main man, Micah. He's uh, wielding the blue spanner of doom, as always. Uh, we've got uh, Masha. Hello to you, Masha. Hope you're well. John Jester is in there. Bill is in there as well. Bill Aronek, hello to you as well. Good to see you in there. Uh, Richard Adams, Neil Lamwan, hello to you. Tony S, hello to you, Tony. 
Uh, good to see you as well in the chat room. Uh, let's make sure I haven't missed anyone out. Arnie, I said hello to Arnie. Arnie's stacking or stocked up on frozen broccoli and meatballs. So he's, uh, he's fine. <laughs> he's going to get through this. Um, don't forget, if you're listening to our glorious voices via the uh, audio podcast realm, uh, don't forget, if you want to chalk... Uh, chalk, John, you put me right John's off back. There. Yay. <laughs> John's back, putting everyone off. Putting hey. everyone off since... Anyway, uh, you can listen to us via YouTube and watch us on YouTube because we all look so stunningly gorgeous every week. Well, Armando does anyway. Uh, oh. Don't forget to look for us on <laughs> YouTube. It's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do uh, wish we could share the audio with I you wish we could yeah. let everyone listen to what John has to say. Uh, look for us on YouTube, search for us, Plain Talking UK, hit the subscribe button, not literally, but just give it a little click, and the bell icon as well, which is right next door to be notified when we are live, like we are now, because we would love to have you all in the chat room. Live. So we've got loads of news to get through. We've got a great uh, interview as well uh, coming up. The second Woo-woo. part, haven't we, Nev, of that uh, brilliant interview we've got. Yeah. Uh, but we've got commercial news to go uh, well, to kick off with. So if all the team's ready. Oh, yeah. Ready? Let's go. The captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. Well, as you guys can imagine, we are going to continue talking. We're going to kick off the show talking about uh, Hurricane Ian here in the United States. Uh, we, you know, we're on day two, day three of this right now. Uh, I'm sure over the next couple of weeks, we're going to find you know some new stories and share some uh, probably good and bad stories about the the chaos caused by this hurricane. But as you guys can imagine. Over the last couple of days, there's been just uh, on the commercial side of the house, thousands and thousands of cancellations of flights. I think uh, Thursday and Friday saw somewhere close to 2000 cancellations. And as we've talked about here on the show plenty of times, when something happens in a, in a region of the country, uh, it affects the entire system. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, I was looking at Flight Aware's uh, misery map. If you guys haven't looked at that, it shows you where where the the most air travel misery is in the country. And with a hurricane hitting Florida and the Carolinas, um, Chicago, O'Hare, New York City, even San Francisco, Denver are actually all backed up because there's no place for those airplanes to go or the airplanes are stuck in Florida type thing. So um, I'm sure we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the commercial aspect. But um, this first uh, story that we wanted to talk about is actually from southeast Florida uh, general aviation hub down there, North Perry airport, which I've been to, um, you know, it, general aviation in the U S and the Caribbean, it's, it's vital to both transport and supplies. And that was heavily impacted over the last couple of days when thunderstorm cells actually spawned some tornadoes in the Miami Dade and broad County areas. Uh, the Miami GA community was hit especially hard. Matt is sharing some pictures that came off of uh, Twitter, I think, initially. That is from North Perry Airport, um, which actually has four FBOs, 148 T-hangers, more than 40 aviation businesses just at that one airport. 
And if anybody has traveled here to the U.S. and to Florida, uh, Central and South Florida are are hubs of general aviation. So this is just one airport where they reported more than 30 damaged aircraft. I'm sure we're going to see more and more of that. But you can see in the photos that the aircraft are flipped upside down, that you know, wings are partially hanging off. But we're probably going to see that from a more than a few different general aviation airports in uh, in central South Florida and maybe even here in the Carolinas. Now, the one place where I'm actually supposed to go to uh, as soon as the weather clears, we're kind of on standby, is the Naples airport. So Naples is just uh, south of Fort Myers and south of, of uh, Tampa on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Now, this airport, like many others, is shut down by Hurricane Ian. It reopened to civilian traffic on limited basis today, but that is more for uh, just humanitarian relief. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, along with most of the city, the airport was completely flooded by storm surge when when Hurricane Ian came ashore. And it did come ashore as a Category 4, almost Category 5 storm. Uh, It drugged the boats that we've seen uh, inland. It washed away homes and businesses and cars. Now, the control tower resumed operations this morning. Um, the airport is currently open only from dawn till dusk due to damage to airport signage and lighting systems. Access to hangars is also limited. Now, we're going to talk about this uh, in, in a second, but uh, most of these airports or a lot of these airports right now are operating with a, a PPR system, a prior permission required, where you need a slot to go in there. There are very limited instrument approaches, very limited uh, air traffic control services in there. But as you can imagine, the repair crews are scrambling to get these uh, these airports back up to speed. And, uh, you know, the, the field elevation at, at most of them is under 10 feet. So if it's a coastal airport with that low, close to the water, the storm surge is going to affect that also. Um, now, the, the forecast for now... Right now, the the storm has kind of turned north. It, it became a tropical storm for a little bit as it went over land, then then gained strength again. Became a category one hurricane. It is as we speak, uh, just hitting landfall in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, it'll uh, it's expected to kind of affect the Carolinas, including Charlotte, here over the next forty eight hours or so, with uh, maximum winds of up to seventy five uh, miles per hour. Um, uh, kind of a side note story, this, uh, you know, we were looking forward to the Artemis launch, the unmanned mission, uh, to the moon. Um, so that has obviously that, that mission was scrubbed a couple times for technical issues. And then once the weather started coming in right before Ian, it, uh, they, they took the, the launch vehicle back inside, uh, it's hangar or, or the vehicle assembly building as they call it. Um, so that's been scrubbed and, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about that when it, when it gets rescheduled um, a little bit later in the military news, we're, we'll show some Noah video. Um, if you guys remember, we uh, episodes 268 and 270. Uh, so that was, geez, that seems like ages ago. We did some interviews with uh, the, both the air force hurricane hunter crews and the NOAA uh, national ocean oceanographic atmospheric administration, uh, P3 Orion crews. And uh, those episodes are still valid. They're, they're, uh, Awesome missions that those guys are doing, but in the military section, we're going to talk about some new technology that that uh, 
they're used they used for Hurricane Ian. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, we'll see uh, we'll see what comes out of this. Be thankful you guys don't have hurricanes over there. Yeah, I must admit that is one of the one of the few events we don't have to worry about, isn't it, really? And uh, uh, I'm not trying to make light of this in any way, shape or form. But I have to say, when we have strong storms here in the UK, they have the most weird names. It's so nice to just hear hear a storm labelled Storm Ian rather than Storm <laughs> Doris or... <laughs> or anything like that it's slightly slightly refreshing i've got to got to be honest but i mean this is uh, uh, again i'm not trying to belittle it but i mean i mean you guys are sort of like almost geared up for this aren't you because these are quite common events in the states yeah Yeah, you know and i grew up in puerto rico everybody uh, now the puerto rico's infrastructure is 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 as well as can be prepared for it but it's still not great um, you, you, we are prepared. If you, if you live in Puerto Rico, if you live in Florida, you kind of live in the Carolinas, you expect it. If you live in Texas and New Mexico and Oklahoma, then you know that you're going to have tornadoes. Mm. If you live in New York, you know, you're going to have, you know, severe winter storms. And if you live in California, you know, your house is, uh, probably going to be on fire at some point. Indeed. So, um, well, of course, yeah, fr- it's fr- friend of the show, Dan, of course, actually goes to Texas storm chasing literally for that reason, doesn't he? So, yeah yeah uh more I, I don't, power get, to I don't him, get it right? either i don't get it either yeah. it's just like <laughs> <laughs> i flew i flew in this uh not in the storm by any means um but uh on the cusp it was the cusp yeah i i did have a, a flight to do last night out to the coast um we were kind of getting um one of our clients has some coastal properties and they were getting it ready the last minute preparations so we flew them out there. It was it was pretty good. It was a you know we we did a good safety decision. We involved everybody. So both myself, the client, the maintenance director, the you know we 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 had a good conversation as to whether or not we were going to execute the flight, and we had good backup plans if uh, if we scrubbed, if we got in the air and decided it's not looking great. Um, or we also had a backup plan for if we got on the ground and the weather came in um, a little bit faster than than forecasted. But those aviation decisions are taking place daily, and uh, we we executed a a, a pretty good mission, um, like you said, Carlos, right on the cusp of of the outer bands, and it was it was surprisingly uneventful. It was just you know, as we say, light chop pretty much the whole way, but uh, uh, you know, no no big issue. But that was yesterday. Well, well, we've got a bit of rain here at the minute anyway, and a little bit of wind. Yes, you know. yep. Well, what's the worst get to happen? <laughs> anyway, yeah. next story. Well, uh, well is us, eh? Yeah, right. I oh, know. I oh, know. <laughs> Heaven forbid we get over 10 knot wind here. Oh, city. <laughs> so uh, next story is uh, coming to us from simpleflying.com, and uh, Michael O'Leary has really me off. Oh, uh, this is uh, Air Malta will never make a profit, according to uh, Ryanair's uh, Michael O'Leary. He said that uh, he does not expect Air Malta to be ever profitable. The comment came as the low-cost carrier uh, continues growing in Malta, while the flag carrier struggles to remain afloat. However, that doesn't mean the end of the state-backed carriers, according to O'Leary. Even when it's bankrupt, which Air Malta's is government will find a way to keep it alive he said he doesn't think that air malta will disappear but he says it will he thinks it will uh, go 
to prove to be very difficult to make it break even. It'll never make a profit, he said. The reason behind this is Air Malta's fleet size of only eight aircraft, said O'Leary, and lack of planes means the carrier is unable to offer the maximum competitive routes and will be undercut by low-cost giants which can offer cheaper services across Europe by basing more planes in the country instead. Important to note that the Ryanair Group owns subsidiary carrier Malta Air, which operates most of the routes to and from the country. The joint venture with the government was set up in 2019 and Malta Air currently has 149 aircraft over approximately 30 bases. They operate the French and German Italian bases for Ryanair. The government of Malta is currently awaiting a decision from the European Commission on a proposed bailout of Air Malta to safeguard the competition among airlines. ECU or EC rules strictly limit state aid to once every 10 years. Last year, the government asked for permission to inject 290 million uh, euros or $297 million into Air Malta, but that was refused with the EC taking or asking for a more realistic figure. In 2012, the EC had allowed the government to grant Air Malta a 130 million euro or $133 million on the condition that no more government intervention would be necessary. Apparently, negotiations between the two are ongoing, but reports suggest they will fail. Reports indicate the government had established advanced plans to dissolve Air Malta later this year and transfer its few remaining assets to a new airline, achieved possibly by its other airline, Malta Med Air, the vehicle for the transition. Malta Med Air, which offers wet lease charters, already has an air operator certificate, or AOC, and three Airbus A320-200 aircraft. Under the plan, all of the airline's employees will be made redundant and heavily reduced contracts drawn up for those offered jobs by the new airline. Now, I know for a fact that Air Malta have been in the proverbial for quite a while now, for quite a few years, actually, and they're still here, they're still flying, um, but is that as O'Leary is saying? Is because basically they keep they keep being bailed out bailed by the government. I, I agree with what he says in regards to their fleet size. I think that they did miss a trick by not expanding their fleet size really to uh, provide more routes and stuff. But as an airline and as a passenger who's flown on Air Malta a number of times over many years, it's a really good airline to fly you know there's not many airlines where the ticket you pay for online includes your um your whole baggage in the price most airlines that is an extra additional charge whereas our models is included um and it's a it's a nice it's a nice obviously it's a nice airline but the they are having issues and um it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next six months with the airline obviously with the summer season just coming to an end Things will start to slow down on the island, although it is a popular winter destination for um, for us Brits over in Malta. But um, fingers crossed the airline will keep going, um, apart from having a great paint scheme on the aircraft, which it does, <laughs> Air Malta livery. But, um, yeah, it's a shame. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens with those guys. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, I, I I get what you where you're coming from, Carlos, but I I I do worry, and and I know he's guilty of like going for headlines and all that kind of thing, but there is a strong chance he knows what he's talking about. Well, he they do operate a lot of flights into there. I mean, yeah. we've flown over there with them to Malta a number of times with Ryanair, and the flight the flights hours. are cheaper. 
70 roots uh, john is saying in our ear yeah that's uh, wow okay yeah. i think i think just before we move on one of the things that does let air malta down slightly is that the flights that go from the uk to there are not the best times Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, not the best times of. Well, and I and I and I'm sorry to also say, but it, it's probably cheaper to do it with Ryanair. What we need is this guy still operating <laughs> behind me here. Who's court that? line. Oh right. Oh dear. Right. Remember okay. those Nev? The days of court line. Yes, very much so. Yes, the uh, holiday. Uh, well, inclusive tour packages, wasn't it? Mm. Ooh, mm. Oh, very good. Right, so Matt, you've got the next one, and it's Virgin. That's a big story for Virgin, this one. Yeah, it is. I think so. I mean, well, we've sort of touched on this before, haven't we? Because this has been on the cards for a while. But it's, um, you know, the policy's been updated again. Uh, uh, we did it with Alaska as well a while back. Uh, it's the PointsGuy.com and Virgin's own website that we're taking the details from. This um, I'll share with you some photographs, uh, technology permitting as well. On this, he says, trying to find the right screen. That'll teach me. Uh, trying to be so clever anyway virgin atlantic has introduced an update to its gender identity policy that allows cabin crew pilots and ground teams to choose which of the iconic vivian westwood designed uniforms best represents them no matter their gender gender identity or gender expression in a move that cements its position as the most inclusive airline in the skies virgin atlantic will offer its people a fluid approach to its red and burgundy vivian westwood design uniforms this means that uh, lgbtq plus colleagues will be able to choose whether the red or burgundy uniform depending on which best reflects themselves virgin atlantic has also updated its ticketing system and customers holding a passport with gender neutral gender markers will now be able to select u or x gender codes on their booking and use the gender neutral title mx currently it's only citizens from a small number of countries including the us india and pakistan that are able to hold these passports and travelers must travel on the codes that match their passport but virgin atlantic is working on a longer term plan to amend communication preferences so that uh, customers will be addressed by their preferred pronouns whether they interact uh, when they interact whenever they interact with the airline sorry uh, so let's take a look at some of the uniforms then i mean this is all very, it's all very very inclusive i guess at the end of the day uh, they need they need to feel comfortable don't they and if that's how they feel comfortable when they're when they're at work then there's that's absolutely how it should be i for one am a big fan of this i i can i just say i'm loving the cast on the, i know this is just obviously a you know sort of a celebrity photo of people in there but i'm, I'm a big fan of um I'm just a big fan of michelle visage i have to say but uh yeah there we go <laughs> it's a it's a it's a great little story um you know and uh amen to that basically i think it's the way forward so Nev, you have got so I'm just scrolling through my my show notes just gone all do lally. Nev, you've got the next yeah, I know. It's this one note, honestly, this one note is a nightmare. <laughs> Nev, you've got the next story and it's all about Sky uh, Skytrax Awards. Yeah, we used to talk about a lot about these, didn't we, in the past, but because they've not actually had any real events. Uh this is on the traveltomorrow.com. Uh, after two years of virtual awards ceremonies, the 2022 World Airline Awards event returned to normal procedures with airlines from around the world attending the 2022 awards ceremony held at the historic Langham Hotel in London. I've been there myself. I've had a very nice afternoon tea there. It's just opposite the uh, BBC uh, in uh, 
in West London. Uh, widely regarded as the Oscars of the aviation industry, the World Airline Awards began in 1999 and remained totally independent and impartial with all of the customer survey costs and awards events paid by the organisers Skytrax. So out of the 350 airlines surveyed, we have a top 20 and there's Ooh. some really interesting ones in there in terms of where they feature as well. So number 20 is Vistara. Number 19, Virgin Atlantic. I thought they would be higher up. Yeah. Um, number 18, Eva Air. 17 is KLM. 16 is Cathay Pacific. Again, quite surprising. I thought they'd be right up in the top five somewhere. Mm. Number 15 is Lufthansa. 14, Hainan uh, Airlines. 13, China Southern. Number 12 is Etihad Airways. Only to number 11 is British Airways. But they're <gasps> eight places higher up than Virgin Atlantic. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, number 10, Swiss International Airlines. Number 9, Korean Air. Number 8, Air France. Seriously? Number seven, Turkish Airlines. Number six, Japan Airlines. Number five, Qantas Airways. Uh, four is ANA All Nippon Airways. Three is Emirates. Hardly a surprise. Number two is Singapore Airlines. And right at the top there is Qatar, which I, I would kind of expect as well. So um it'll be interesting to know about all all the parameters but the um all that link will be in the show notes anyway so you can have a look at it for yourself but um no, it's good that these awards are back isn't it so um i think it's good uh good stuff mm. agreed it's it's not surprising you know when the when the middle east carriers get all the all the sort of heavy weight as such i was i was looking online last night a video that uh, Emirates have put up recently of showcasing their premium economy cabins. I know we've talked about it on the show before in the last few weeks, but it is, it looks stunning as a premium economy um, offering. It mm. really does look good. You know what's crazy? I've never flown any of the Middle East carriers. Wow. I've, like I've never flown Qatar, I've never flown Emirates. Uh, I was supposed to be on Japan Airlines on that Tokyo trip, but. That got cancelled. Yeah, wow. I, I I have yet to experience this this higher class of travel. Oh, you need to fly with me then, uh, Amanda. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Coming from the guy who flies private jets, but I I want somebody to serve me a meal. You know, some somebody told some told me that once, right? That's like it's great that you fly private jets around the world, but you know what the goal should be to sit in the back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, not the front. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. Absolutely. So, Armando, you've got the next story, and uh, all about aviation making history. Yeah, if you're watching us on the YouTube feed, you actually get a little bit of a preview there. <laughs> From Fly Magazine, News Atlas, and a bunch of other different uh, uh, websites out there and social media, on episode 396, we did talk about the taxi tests for this airplane, but aviation is showing some pretty extravagant uh, runway wheelies. <laughs> Alice, which is what they're calling the world's first all-electric commuter aircraft, lifted off overnight on a historic flight. Another major milestone towards zero emissions, medium-range air travel. Uh, Alice took off at 7.10 in the morning from Grant County International Airport in Washington State, made a short 
eight-minute circuit reaching an altitude of about 3,500 feet or about 1,000 meters before coming in for a touchdown. CEO Greg Davis said, you witnessed the first of a new type of propulsion system, a new integrated system. This is the biggest change in aviation propulsion technology since we went from the Super Constellation to the 707. Now, Alice's spec sheet has become a bit uh, less impressive over the last year or so Well, as well. When we first looked at the aircraft in 2021, the nine-seat luxury machine was running an interesting three-prop propulsion system and a V-tail and a promising 506-mile flight to a charge. Now, the tail's a T-shape. There's just two props, and the claimed range has dwindled to 288 miles, which just barely makes it from Charlotte to the coast. Uh, the max takeoff weight uh, is now 18,400 pounds from 14,000. And on the positive side, the max speed is now up from 253 miles per hour up to just shy of 300 miles per hour. So there we go. Pretty cool looking airplane, though. It is actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's starting to finally take shape, isn't it? This whole um, this whole sort of doing the uh, the electric thing is 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 sort of beginning to come to fruition, isn't it? It I is. That, that flight deck, that wraparound flight deck window is it just looks awesome. Yeah, and do you guys remember Sean Van Hatten? We had him on the show yes. last year, so he is a test pilot for the Stratos jet, and they have a similar. Uh, uh, project going on where they're trying to revolutionize, you know, sort of hybrid propulsion, and and uh, we should have him back on the show because it's a pretty cool airplane that they're working on over there, mm. amongst all these other manufacturers. Absolutely, it's so, a, yeah. Oh, carry on. No, go on. on no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I was. I was uh, we've got. We've got lots Could you do me a small favour and just bring your mic up a little bit, please? Oh, uh, Neil Lamborn is saying the Super Constellation was beautiful. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, if if it was between the Super Constellation and the Aviation Alice, <laughs> let's just say I would want to fly yeah. have you the seen, Constellation. Have you seen uh, John Jester's comment there? <laughs> Fourteen yeah. or fourteen k in batteries. Is probably, that the weight? Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Which is why Neil Lanwarn is so right. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to our 400th episode and, and watch his speech on uh, hybrid propulsion. Mm. Yes. Very much. Uh, what, what's that? Somebody explain the... So Neil Lanwarn has said very much like a... Uh, is it Pia, Piago? A Piaggio. 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 Oh, that, that's, that's yeah. not bad for me. <laughs> Play nice. <laughs> Beautiful airplane, yeah, terrible yeah. flyer. Okay, right. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. A bit like their, mo- a bit like their mopeds, Matt. Oh, I, I'm, I was rather partial to a moped. I had a moped. I love mine. <laughs> the Piaggio. <Wee! laughs> oh, so dear. the uh, next story is coming to us from Av Herald, simpleflying.com, and there's been a lot of incidents involving aircraft uh, this week, uh, what with Swift, EasyJet, and the Korean Air and Iceland Air as well. Uh, so the first one is a Swift Air Boeing 737-400. Uh, freighter 
working on behalf of West Atlantic Sweden registration, Echo Charlie, November Lima Sierra, uh, performing flight SWN 5745 from Paris Charles de Gaulle to Montpellier, France, with three crew, landed on Montpellier's runway, 12 left in heavy rain at uh, 2.36 in the morning. Uh, and uh, at zero uh, well, sorry, 36 minutes past midnight Zulu time, but over around the end of the runway, came to a stop with the nose gear uh, in the water around 200 metres or 650 feet past the end of the runway. Now, there were no injuries uh, on the aircraft sustained substantial damage. The aircraft reported the aircraft's front nose partly submerged in the Letang de Maggio. That must be a river, I suppose. Uh, the aircraft, uh, which has this week been moved with heavy cranes and lifts, saw some good pictures out on social media, actually. Uh, both engines had impacts with the ground. One of them ingested blackish or brackish water. The avionics compartment and parts of the cockpit were also flooded uh, with water, and the nose landing gear and the forward lower skin were also damaged on the aircraft. The BEA reported the occurrence was rated as an accident and is being investigated by the BEA. Now, it's safe to say it did have a bit of an issue there. I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if this one goes back in the air, mm. uh, considering the damage and also how old the aircraft is. I did check this one um, when this happened, the day this happened, because I was actually with Stuart O'Neill when this news broke. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, funnily enough, yeah. it was 29 years old. Wow, okay. Neil, Neil Lamwan says you can't park there. Uh, that is very <laughs> true. 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 Uh, Richard Adams thought it was an Atlantic salmon. I think that's also fair. Uh, <laughs> it's, Just uh, stick it. In, uh, Mash is saying, stick it in a bowl of rice. Yeah. It'll be as good as all it wanted. <laughs> all it wanted was a sip of water, and then, as you say, Mash's <laughs> comment as well. Yeah, rice fixes everything when it when the it does get wet. Absolutely. I'm going to congratulate the BEA on rating it as an accident. I thought it was some sort of drinking thing. <laughs> Ah, yeah, Good absolutely. On well done, uh, runway condition, dry, dry, wet. Yes. Hey, quite. Nev. Yeah. Hey, Nev. 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 <laughs> he obviously wasn't as good a pilot as what we had landing in Jersey. Uh, no, at least we didn't go off the end, although I, I thought it was going to be a bit of a... <laughs> Bit close at one point. <laughs> but, uh, now, uh, yes. now, forgive my uh, for, forgive my uh, sort of na- naivety here, but I do feel like we're having a bit of a run of these at the moment, isn't there? Because last week there was one there that, has overshot been a few. The, that overshot yeah. the runway and nearly ended up on a busy road. <laughs> the Vulcan, the Vulcan yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. that was a bit tense. <laughs> uh, we've got another one on the yep. list. We've got a few more actually. Uh, this one is a minor collision that occurred on the ground at London Heathrow Airport this week. Now I know Nev found this story exciting. Uh, it was a Korean Air aircraft and an Iceland Air aircraft. The emergency services responded to the incident. Uh, there were no injuries reported. The Iceland Air aircraft involved in the incident was a 22-year-old Boeing 757-200 registered Tango Foxtrot, Foxtrot Indigo Kilo. It had just flown from Reykjavik to London Heathrow. And the aircraft that struck the Iceland Air 757 was a 13-year-old Korean Air Boeing 777-300ER with a town number Hotel Lima 7782. Operating as flight Kilo Echo 908, the 777 had pushed back from the gate and was making its way to the runway to return to Seoul when the incident occurred. Nev, you found this rather exciting, didn't you, when this oh, news broke irritated. on social media? Yeah, uh, more rubbish on mainstream media as well as social media, but some, but mostly the mainstream media. Um 
Major accident at London Heathrow Airport is what I was hearing. Did you say uh, major, Ned? So, yes, and uh, all I was concerned about was as long as my flight from Stockholm coming back wasn't, wasn't today. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. Yeah. But, uh, and then when the, the major accident, in inverted commas, turned out to be a minor ding, although obviously mm. it's a bit expensive and there's going to be lots of uh, Paper. paperwork yeah. and <laughs> questions <laughs> yeah. asked... Um, yeah, it's hardly uh, hardly what they were talking about. Also, it? one of the things that I, I noticed, obviously, a, a friend of the show uh, I, I noticed had been tweeting about it because um, one of the um, um, I'm not quite sure how to describe them, but they're a sort of a company that, but you know, they're, they're a bit like I suppose like us in some respects, where they're sort of reporting on on incidents that have occurred and all that kind of thing. And this particular uh, outlet, which I won't name, decided that they were going to release the. Um, ATC on it, which I thought no. was highly questionable. Right, yeah. um, as I say, and as I say, it's uh, I just, you know, in fact, we had a discussion in our little in our little chat group because I'm the first to admit that I'm a bit naive when it comes to sort of you know the rules and regulations on that. But as I say, my understanding was that obviously that was highly illegal in the UK. Yeah, it's not um, something that's broadcast on liveatc.net. Unfortunately, no. it's a bit of a shame. Cause it'd be no, I get that, but the rules are the rules at the end yeah, of the day, the and rules, you know, yeah. it, it was just, some, somebody had taken it Actually, upon themselves to publish it. And... I'll tell you what, Nev, I was shocked that they didn't go and put a picture of a BAC one eleven on the story. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Yes, that's a very good point. <clears throat> and uh, again, I just hope that uh, 757 isn't too seriously damaged and mm. can be repaired because that's one of my favourite oh, uh, aircraft yes. of all time. Good, Nev. That's what uh, I like to hear. Not Matt's, but uh, uh, certainly no. uh, but, uh, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so this next, this last one we've got on this story, um, I actually had a chat with a very good friend of ours on the social, well, on WhatsApp actually about this incident. But uh, this was on Sunday, the September the 25th, an EasyJet Airbus A320 abandoned an approach to Naples International Airport in Italy after suffering damage from a lightning strike. Oh. Now, Matt's got the pictures of this, hopefully, because the pictures are quite interesting. Uh, the aircraft registered Oscar Echo Lima Julia Alpha was flying flight number um, EJU2889 from Milan's Malpensa Airport when the go-around decision was made and the plane was on final approach for runway 24 at Naples. At approximately 500 feet AGL, above ground level the pilots began flying the missed approach procedure following the rejected landing the pilots diverted to bari international airport and uh, the flight crew landed the aircraft safely on one way two five the aircraft touched down 50 minutes after executing the go around procedure and no injuries were reported and the plane remains on the apron at bri or bari international airport and uh, the airline has shared the information on social media that we can confirm that flight EJU-2889 from Milan to Naples diverted to Bari following a lightning strike on approach to Naples purely as a precaution and in line with our procedures. The aircraft are equipped, uh, equipped I should say, to stand or withstand lightning at uh, no point were the safety of the passengers or the flight compromised. The aircraft landed routinely and passengers continued their journey to Naples by coach. EasyJet said they'd like to apologise to passengers for any inconvenience caused and the safety of their passengers and crew are of the airline's highest priority. Now, the picture I, uh, Matt put up on the screen there, I had a chat uh, with one of our resident Airbus pilots who flies at the A320, and he says uh, that it happens frequently, which we all know yeah, yeah. these things happen frequently, um, but he also said that uh, it does tend to happen 
quite frequently on the winglets or the sharklets on the aircraft seems to be a a, a point where it does you know pick sort of up attract the, the, yeah. yeah attract the uh, lightning strikes but he was surprised it hadn't delaminated actually the, uh, oh, okay. the coating on on the aircraft mind you it's, so. it's pretty dark and blackened mm. in places i mean i think it, it'll peel off with if you poked it a bit it'll probably peel off what, what do you think about this uh this obviously armando you've been flying uh, for quite some time have you ever had a a strike of lightning hit your uh, aircraft Oh yeah, twice. Um, both over the Gulf of Mexico. I had uh, one in a C one thirty once, one in the Osprey, and uh, it. Well, those pictures are pretty accurate. That's exactly what it looks like when you get on the ground. Sometimes it takes chunks out. Sometimes it takes a chunk of uh, of composite where the lightning went in, and sometimes it takes a chunk of composite or metal when the lightning bursts out. You know the other end where it's where it uh, goes out. Sometimes it fries your a- avionics. Most of the time, it's a complete non-issue. I I was interested in that they initiated a go around and diverted because of this. Um, I would be interested to hear for from some of our pilots in the chat room. Would that be? I don't know that that would be my first reaction to to go around after a lightning strike. I guess you kind of. I could see where they wanted to evaluate if there was any damage, but for me, kind of knowing what it was, I would just try to get it on the ground. If there was any damage, if you're already on the final approach, just get it on the ground. That, but that would be me. I don't know if, if I mean, there. As a, somebody who doesn't really know or understand this very much, like, uh, is it perhaps it was a knee jerk reaction to to climb and go for a go around? I mean, if you were literally in the process of coming coming down onto the ground is that is that i mean where did the actual lightning strike hit that presumably on approach uh yeah it seemed like they were on approach um into milan and uh, you know i guess you could be a natural reaction you hear a bang you you see a flash to get away from the ground Mm. but if you're already on final approach i I just think my personal reaction would be to get on the ground. Looks like John Jester says the same. He would want to get on the ground, not repeat getting struck. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, lightning. You know, you know when it's lightning, right? It's not. You know, it's not a compressor stall. That's a big bang. Then that's pretty. Unless you've never experienced any of it before, which is possible. But um, I, I just don't know that my first reaction would be to initiate a go around and then divert. I, I would just want to get the airplane on the ground. It does say, though, although uh, this is from an EasyJet uh, press release, that uh, uh, it's in line with their procedure. So perhaps a lightning strike at that point uh, is a mandatory go-around. Mm. Oh, I feel like we may know somebody at EasyJet that could shed some lightning into the situation. Ah, see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, sure uh, it, we're sure it's not a laser point then? Is that- I, I think, yes. I think that <laughs> has be been ruled damn out. good yeah, laser yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, has, that has definitely been ruled out. And in our first military story, the Air Force <laughs> develops a laser weapon. <laughs> uh, yes, quite. <laughs> see what you did there. As long as, there's, as long as there's no sharks with laser beams on their heads, that'd be fine. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Is that Austin Powers, I think? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, you yeah, know. Very good. So, Matt, you've got yes. the next story, and it's a, it's kind of a, an update, really, on a story, a sad story that yeah. we covered a few weeks ago. Indeed, and I, I thought this was going to go away, to be honest with you, because there was lots of sort of government support for this, but... Uh, 
Yeah, uh, they, this is coming from lots of BBC sources, basically, this one. And the headline is uh, Doncaster Sheffield Airport uh, to close despite financial lifeline offer. Uh, so Don- Doncaster Sheffield Airport, DSA, is to close after its owner said no tangible proposals had been received regarding its future ownership. Peel Group said that the closure was due to a fundamental lack of financial viability. On Friday, South Yorkshire's political leaders offered public money to keep DSA open operating into 2023 but Peel Group said that services at the airport which employs 800 workers would wind down from the 31st of October South Yorkshire's Mayor Oliver Coppard said that he was devastated by today's announcement and angry about the impact the closure would have on local communities Peel Airport's Chairman Mr Howe said that he was grateful to the airport staff who he said had always been DSA greatest asset he said with the immediate priority he said the the immediate priority would be to continue engaging closely with them over the next few weeks meanwhile all affected staff at DSA have been offered job interviews by Manchester Airports Group MAG Manchester East Midlands and Stansted speaking to BBC Look North Prime Minister Liz Truss said that uh, I want to make sure that the airport survives I do I will do what I can and I will talk to the relevant people Wizz Air said that all its routes would fly from Leeds Bradford Airport following the announcement that the South Yorkshire Airport would close. Flights to Gdansk, uh, Katowice, uh, Krakow, Warsaw, uh, Rocklaw, Bucharest and Chunapoka is that Tunapaka? So apologies if that one's not right. Will uh, switch from the 31st of October. Passengers who have already booked would be automatically transferred to flights from Leeds Bradford Airport, the airline said. Customers will also be given the option to change their booking to an alternative flight free of charge or cancel their flight and receive a full refund. I mean, this is definitely a big, big shame, isn't it? Especially given that promises were made that this was essentially not going to well, happen. Well, also, I mean, we're short of runway capacity as it is in the UK. And this runway is uh, just under nine and a half thousand feet long. And that's because it used to be a former long range uh, nuclear uh, bombing base um, called RAF Finningley. And, um, you know, we're that's only a little bit shorter than uh, London Gatwick uh, Airport. So um, I don't know what they're playing at. I really don't. I mean, obviously, there's it's all about money, clearly. But, um, you know, we, we just don't have enough runway capacity generally in this country. And I think this is just another, you know, nail in the coffin, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, it looks like a really nice airport. I'm, I'm surprised at this. Mm. I mean, there's, it's not just the eight hard stands in the terminal with the three gates, but there's also some really nice big hangars. Nev, like you're saying, that probably house some some large aircraft. Um, I, w- what happens? What happens over there with these kinds of airports when they shut down? Uh, housing estates, usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. That is a shame. Only yeah. opened in 2005, the airport. Mm. Just looking on here. 2005, the, air- the airport. Yeah, Richard Adams is saying there used to be some impounded aircraft at Sheffield there for several years. Can't remember the types. Not sure if they're still there. They, I think they got stuck there last time. It changed hands. Oh, I see. Ooh, uh. it is a, it's a real shame that we, ha- we have to lose the airport. And also, it's mm. a real shame because of all those people who are going to lose, you know, potentially lose their jobs. Mm. Yeah, eight hundred staff is not to be sneezed at, is it? It's, it's just, a, it's just not very nice at it's all. It's a big, it's a big employer for the area, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So Nev, 
you have got the next story, and uh, it's all, it's all a bit musical with you. Well, it is, isn't it? And uh, <clears throat> this is on one mile at a time dot com. Um, and uh, in fact, there's a fella called, um, in fact, the founder of uh, OMAT, a chap called Ben Schlappig. Uh, and he says, as an aviation geek, I don't just think about my favourite airlines whilst flying, but I also, when I'm at home, one of the most consistent ways that I integrate my favourite airlines into my daily life is by listening to airline boarding music. Oh, dear. Yes. The concept of ah. listening to airline boarding music whilst at home may sound a bit wild to some, but when you hear some of these tracks, <clears throat> maybe you'll understand why. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I, I, well, I'd never even thought about it. No, OK. Well, I, don't, I don't think... I don't think... They didn't have boarding music, Nev. When we... uh, no, well, British Airways used to have it. Mm. Uh, and they, actually, there was some the other day, I've just realised, uh, when I was going to Edinburgh. But, uh, yeah, so we've got, have we got a selection to play. We here? have, yes. We, we have the top nine, if you, if you wish to sort of work out. The well, top with nine. Number, number one or number nine? Oh, I don't know. What should we do? What do you want to do? Oh, let's start with number one because it's start number one. Okay, fair enough. All right, okay. The number one is uh, Qatar Airways. Silence is gold. It's a good ch- it's a good tune. I mean, it's all a bit elevatory, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Yes. Well, you know. Mm. Um, uh, number, so number, let's have a listen to number two then, which is Etihad. Yes, indeed. Uh, he says, let's press there we go. Nice stereo yeah, effect on it. From level 42. <laughs> yeah, I quite like that. Yeah. No, I don't mind that. It's... Oh, let's, 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 do, let's, let's try uh, Grant McCarran's uh, uh, airline of choice. Yes. Oh, are we? Okay. All right. Yes. Let's try Qantas. Qantas. Okay. Oh, I said, well, sorry. Uh, uh, producer John is just saying that um, um, he might be flying. Oh, oh, oh mm. did we? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. Here goes. Yeah, here goes. Okay, this, this is Qantas. If you could let the listener hear it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's got a sort of like a piano-y vibe to it, hasn't it? Quite nice, do we think? Well, yeah, it's a bit boring. <laughs> Sorry, Grant. <laughs> shall, I, shall I skip through it? Will that help? Or Skip? Yeah. I feel like that's the same t- soundtrack I have after three whiskeys. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a oh. nice picture with this one as well. Look, there you go. Look. Woo! <laughs> okay. It's quite nice, isn't it? It's sort of plinky plonky. Well, yes. Plinky, plinky. If it's relaxation you're after, that's the, that's the music for you, isn't it? So, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Why don't we go on to number four? Okay. Then? All right. Then. Nev, Nev is. What's Nev. for? What's for Nev? Emirates. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Then here we go. I wonder what they're like. Sounds very similar to the Qantas one, I've got to be honest. It's just in a different key, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's due to the cutbacks. Yeah. Of course, absolutely. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, oh, I've got to, uh, apparently I've got to try and skip through it. Oh, okay, all right. There's, 
Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Let's uh, let, let, let's go into let's go into. I don't know if I'll let me do this. Here we go. I've never tried this. Here we go. Try that. Oh, here we go. Oh, hello. What's, what's this one? This is Emirates. Oh, it's Emirates. Is it? Oh, it's all right. I quite like this. Yeah. 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 I mean, it still sounds like the theme tune to a TV program. What, Battlestar Galactica? Possibly, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, play your cards, right? Well, quite. Right, absolutely. let's try, let's yeah, try okay. number five, ANA, Al Nippon Airways. Okay, all right, here we go. I think this one's actually got some uh, a video with it, so we can do this. <laughs> Neil Lamb wants put theme from Air Crash Investigation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, not, not in front of the children. Uh, hashtag awkward. Oh, dear. Okay. This, this is nice, I like this. I do like this. Isn't this isn't this Nintendo Wii the sports? <laughs> um, I mean, it's a bit sort of like uh, I, it's a bit like we're on hold. Do you know what I mean? This is the sort of music you'd play like while you were waiting for the main event. Do you know what I mean? Which I guess we are. This at the end yeah. of the day, this is exactly what's happening with these, isn't it? Because these are you know before uh, you Dirk, take off. Dirk says thing. this is nice. Dirk says I nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. Right, this let's one. let's go with number six. Let's go for a bit of Oman Air. Okay. All right then. Here we go. <laughs> Very Casio keyboardy. Yes, always, there's a theme with all these tunes. The first eight bars are a bit boring, aren't they? Shall I skip forward? Shall I skip forward? Because yeah. like, here we go. Let's go into about here. Here we go. Sorry, I thought oh. I would share my dogs uh, howling at the music. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be good. That'd be good boarding music. Yeah. Carlos is not loving now, it. I, I hold a lot of hope for this next one. I'm, I'm hoping this next one will be a bit more lively because it's oh, Turkish, yeah. okay. Turkish uh, Airlines. Now I've got. I'm going to need some advice from uh, from producer John here. I've got two here. I've got the, play the first one. Okay, right. So I've got to play the first one because it it is actually holding the music. holding so, music. So when you're in the Lambourne hold. Oh right. right. <laughs> oh, uh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, I say. What do we think? Is this, I mean, like, it's... is this like when you're on hold on the phone lines or something? <laughs> Your call is very important to us. Please hold. <laughs> All our advisors are busy with one call. Please hold. Hang on, hang on, they're singing on this one. Right, so that's the on hold music. So what we, what's, what's the, what's the, what's the next one then? I don't know. Oh, so, oh, oh, so we've boarding, got oh, so this, is, music. this is literally the on hold music. This is the boarding music. Here we go. Oh, I say. Oh, bit of guitar this time. Lovely stereo effect on it. Would you hear stereo on the aircraft? I don't know. I'm assuming it's a mono PA. Matt, so. you've, you've seen the standard of speakers on, on commercial airlines. That doesn't matter. They can still have They're, one on the left and one on the right. They, they still they still make their cones for the speakers out of cardboard. Yeah, possibly. And they've always someone's always blown the driver, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the pilots has made too much noise at some point, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely yeah. Right. Yeah. square way through it. It sounds diabolical. I think this right. per- personally for me, this is one of my favourites because I quite like the. It's got almost. Sorry, I know it's Turkish, but it's got almost like a sort of like a Spanish guitar vibe to it. I quite like it. Now this next noise. one, Beans, yeah, okay. these guys win every blooming award going in the aviation industry. I'm hoping this next one from Singapore Airlines will be the best. Oh, okay, Ever. right. 
Okay, here we go. Let, let's get. Let, oh right, okay. <laughs> Singapore Produ- Airlines. Yeah, produ- producer, producer John is is terrifying me at the moment. But let's let's give it a go. <laughs> oh, it's not so bad. Oh, we're going with the old. Oh. John Jester is saying that uh, number one should be the air cavalry theme, Ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. No, I'm not feeling that one. Shall I skip in, see what see what we've got later in? Gosh, it's a bit boring, isn't it? No, still boring. <laughs> no, that's boring. Honestly, no. Singapore Airlines, you might win all the awards. Yeah, yeah. But your, your boarding music is... Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Romeo Alpha Papa. Tony says Matt's going to have some serious copyright violations this week. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to keep me a bo- I'm away on holiday or for the next two weeks. That'll keep me very amused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's great music. Uh, we need to say something other than it's boring, by the way, Carlos, so we can get it cleared. And yeah. 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 Comment on the actual music. What? Yeah. What yes, is it? It's, it's lovely harpist music. Very good. From right. Singapore okay. Airlines there. Yeah. That's a kill. Oh, it's a piano. No, no. I love it. Num- number seven had uh, slight hint, slight hints of chocolate and oak. I really loved it. It's good. The, 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 trump- the-, the trumpets were playing very loudly on that particular right. Track. Okay. Right. Good. And and is that going to number- be enough, John, or are we still in trouble? <laughs> number no, nine. Le Sens de Lavender on the on number nine. Japan Airlines was great. Okay, Thank you. Great. Here we go. Here we go. This is it. Oh, it's quite funky. Oh, we've got pictures of gates. And I, I think this one. guy's finger got stuck on the same key. <laughs> it's, it's reminding. It's reminding me of the chariots of fire and the yeah the the um what is it um the Rowan Atkinson the Rowan Atkinson sketch sketch in the twenty twelve Olympics, isn't it? Where he's sort of sitting there doing, pressing the key for I don't know how long. Uh, Shall we spin through? See if it's a little bit livelier later on. Apparently there used to be words to this, John is saying. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's all very lovely, isn't it? I suppose. And, and re- realistically, now, come on, you guys have all, all, all been doing this. How long are, are, are these usually playing for? <laughs> Just it depends Mike. on the boarding time. Well, Just yes, quite. Mike, Mike has commented in the chat room. Oh, right. Okay, 40 to 50 minutes, John is saying. Yeah. Oh, it's nice. I mean, I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> So it's 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 again this one's sort of like a strings and a piano-y sort of uh, thing, isn't it? Is uh, Micah is saying, yeah, okay, yeah, I've been told we covered. It, uh, actually, it's... the most you could say about any of them is that they are annoying in their attempt to be non-annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost it's almost like you, it's almost like the theme tune to an American nineteen eighties sitcom. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. No, there's someone that uh, played in the um, BBC Philharmonic Orchestra. I'm sure they could have. Uh, I could have given them a call, and they could have, uh, you know, knocked something up. Uh, this is uh, completely related, unrelated. But I think, I, <laughs> Micah, I think I wrote that on somebody's performance, like annual performance appraisal one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying how they're trying to not be annoying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Has, shows great potential for next year. Okay, so the, so and, that's that's our nine. That's our nine. Uh, now, do do we? I've got two more here. I've got uh, B, uh, B A and Ryanair. Shall we? Oh, is, isn't B A that? Well, obviously, we'll have to play the B A one. <laughs> of course, those are the rules. Uh, shall I put the logo up as well, or just yeah? <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's have a look, shall we? Here we go. Uh, let, let's give it a listen. 
Nothing good. Oh, there it is. Oh. Oh. Oh, it's like... Oh, it is that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. This is more like it. Oh, this is lovely. <laughs> yeah, Nev's oh. feeling at home now, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I'm just... I feel as I'm sitting in 1A at the moment, being them and saying, would you like a glass of champagne with your caviar? Absolutely. Oh, Mr. Barnes, would you like the wine menu? <laughs> would you like to help us out with an unruly passenger in 16A? <laughs> <laughs> 16A, Nev, you don't go up that high, goodness. Oh, that's the APU as well, isn't it? Uh, Mate Man Micah is saying, I think I would choose John Phillips' Scouts sc- <laughs> and Marches. They may have uh, good cadence and would totally Oh, God, don't, re- keep- don't read hot. Don't read Hobby Times comment in the chat room, okay. blimey. All right, okay. Uh, I would hopefully no, just, keep just people read moving at a reasonable tempo for faster boarding. There is that. Yes, that is very true. W- would you like to read Hobby yes. Times okay. comment in we the should, chat room? We should just mention, obviously, what this is. So we've got a nice operatic piece to it. It's got a full... It's a proper piece of music, isn't it? That's just, that's the difference we've got here. As with the other ones, do feel like they were done on a Casio keyboard, well, if I'm I'm, honest, I'm, but... Yeah, I mean, at least it's not been done on a Yamaha DX7. Or no, quite. Okay. Yeah, indeed. Richard Adams has said in the chat room, Nev, he bets you have this piped into your bathroom at home. <laughs> that's, <good. laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> How would Mrs. Nev feel about that, just out of interest? Um, quite cross. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely subpar. Okay, so we've got uh, two little things. We've got the boarding music. We've got the boarding music here for Ryanair. Shall, oh, my shall we, word. Shall we, shall we just indulge ourselves for a moment? Here scratch we go. Card, scratch cards, scratch cards, scratch cards, scratch cards. I don't think they do that in the boarding music. They might do. I don't know. Hey there. Low fares, made simple. Oh. Oh, they do do a little announcement on the beginning on it. Oh, we have, haven't we? Yes, 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 we have actually. Yeah. This one, this one's on POM5. We do have a license for that. So, well, so nine and, nine and a half minutes we can play without any issue now. <laughs> How are we feeling about it? Come on, some, somebody comment. This is, I think this is more of a young, young, vibrant kind of what I say. Tune. O'Leary yeah, will be delighted. need something to warm you up after you've been having to uh, queue outside and going up the <laughs> aircraft stairs rather than going through the proper, you know, way of boarding an aircraft. Right, OK. What's the proper way of boarding an aircraft, Nev? Because I've only ever done it that way. <laughs> oh, the pier, you know, that you actually walk down and you just arrive in the aircraft? The, the, this, the, the, the what now? this music, this music is to cheer you up after you've had to hand over your your hand luggage case for them to go and throw in the hold because oh. they can't fit it in the overhead bins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Just to That's keep you cheering. That's what this is. Just yeah, to keep you cheering. Indeed. So, to finish off this story, can you play us, Matt, that the, the, the well-known, the world-famous Ryanair on-time oh, really? arrival okay. music? Are we going to play it in full, are we? Oh, pfft. I don't... I don't know. Oh, there, there is an image. I wasn't sure there was an image with it, but there is. It's all right. It's okay, here we go then. Are we all ready? Uh, and it's like, and finally. Oh, all right, apparently I don't need to play the image. Okay, we'll just do it this way then. Here we go. Thank you for flying Ryanair. Last year, over 90% of our flights arrived on time. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed yours, and we look forward to welcoming you on board again soon. Ryanair. Low fares, made simple. Right, then, Ed. It sounds like the go-around music to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
There is Ryan, that. yes. 60% of the time we get you there all the time. Right. <laughs> oh, that's a bit unfair. Let me just that's say, this bit. is the most amusing segment we've had on the show for some <laughs> weeks. Absolutely. It's really it's a, me. Yeah. Yes. It's, a quite a nice, it's actually quite a nice video with it. Let's have it again, shall we? Look, here we go. I've never heard it in stereo before. It's quite beautiful. You for flying Ryanair last year over the There we go. Anyway, yeah, there we go. Ride. Enough now. There we go. That's it. That's <laughs> there we go. Uh, so that concludes our uh, musical arrangement wow. game. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyway. So out of all of those, genuinely, what's I mean, I know what Nev's favourite is, but because but if everybody else could be a little bit more objective. <laughs> Do you know? I, I'm, I'm going to go with United's Rhapsody in Blue. Oh. oh. Still hanging in there for 25 years. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael was saying it's a pretty bad version as well, apparently. I quite <laughs> liked the, the Singapore Airlines one after the first 16 bars, once, once it got going. <laughs> once it got going, yeah, absolutely. There we go. Well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? We, believe it or not, we still have some more commercial news to do. We uh, do. We have <laughs> We have uh, oh, uh, a couple more stories left. Anyway, Armando, you have got this next one, and uh, it's all about Airbus and Boeing. I don't know how to follow that segment up. <laughs> so let's talk about Russia. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thanks, John. For... Okay. Right. <laughs> I feel like this is just a bad joke by our producer. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So I don't know if there's background music for this story or not. But I'll, state... I'll, I'll pick one of the other ones. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. State-owned industrial holding Rostec believes that Airbus and Boeing aircraft, quote, will never again be delivered to Russia and that the country will now rely entirely on locally built aircraft, according to Reuters. Matt, do you have that background music yet? Uh, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, uh, you'll pick one. Which one would you like? A&A, Emirates? <laughs> uh, let's do, uh, let's do uh, A&A. Sounds good. A&A. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Yeah, okay, carry on. So according to Rostec, foreign aircraft will drop out of the fleet of Russian airlines. We believe that this process is irreversible and that Boeing and Airbus planes will never again be delivered to Russia. Rostec is the parent of UAC, United Aircraft Corporation, the Russian holding that oversees all aircraft manufacturers, including Irkut, Tupolev, Ilushin, and uh, pretty much everything else in Russia. Following the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, in February of this year, uh, EU and U.S. sanctions banned the delivery of Western aircraft, spare parts, or any other services... To the Russian aviation industry. <laughs> oh my goodness. Should we just abandon this story right now? Basically, uh, yep, they're going to have to rely entirely on internally produced aircraft because Airbus and Boeing aircraft will never again be delivered. Plus, I did see an article somewhere about a daring rescue. What is it? It was a European airline, right? That went in and got their Airbus out of there. Oh, wow. You guys really? remember that? No. Yeah. Yeah, like middle of the night, they went in and and had a crew fly out of Ukraine. Um, that was back uh, to Wizzair had a A3. Wiz. Oh, that's wow. right. Yep. Had a couple yep. Of yeah. yeah. Intrepid aviators over there at Wizzair. Wow. Yeah. That's that's gosh. I mean, well done for getting their 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 flight black, obviously. But wow, that's unexpected, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't. Okay, well, we've got this for the for the last bit of this story. We've got a special soundtrack. Oh, is it coming? I didn't. Okay, <laughs> so 
what's, earlier, what's happening? <laughs> er, yeah. What what what's going while, on? While we're while we're waiting. Right. Okay. Have, have I missed something in the notes here? What's going on? <laughs> uh, no, no. Pro- producer John has the Aeroflot boarding music. Oh right! Oh, oh right. I dread to think what oh, that okay. sounds like. Right. Okay. In a stroke of of irony and genius at the same time, <laughs> I'll just finish the story by saying: currently, Aeroflot only has three hundred and six aircraft compared to an order of three hundred and thirty nine Russian built aircraft that they ordered. It's uh, it's only Russian built airliners are seventy six SSJ one hundreds. Uh, the other 230 of their aircraft over at Aeroflot is a mix of Boeing and Airbus. So there you go. Oh, I uh, see. Uh, yeah. Uh... I say let's just abandon the story. Going on to the next one, Carlos. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you, Armando. Uh, this next one comes with, to us with some very glorious colored pictures. This is China Airlines unveiling the new A321neo uh, of their Pikachu jet. Uh, this has come to us from breakingtravelnews.com. China Airlines formally unveiled this week their Pikachu jet. Yes, I said Pikachu, the first Pokemon liveried aircraft in Taiwan. This was the most colorful livery in the history of China Airlines, taking 21 days to apply. One day charity micro trip was organized on September the 30th by China Airlines for the Taiwan Taipei Shangshan route. Uh, the aircraft will then make its first flight on the Taipei Shangshan Tokyo Haneda route, carrying with it its Pokemon fans, young and old. Exclusive Pokemon theme supplies were also featured aboard the aircraft, and the China Airlines Pikachu. CI painting processes and utilizes 36 different types of paint. The fuselage is painted with progressive hues of pastel orange, pink, and violet, and these will complement both the China Airlines corporate colors and the Plum Blossom logo on the tail fin, giving the impression of a starry night sky with dawn approaching. Eleven Pokemon characters will be featured, including Pikachu flying through the sky, uh, Shayim, Swablu, Togis, blimey, you can tell I watch Pikachu a lot, Muna, Jigglypuff, You've got, to have, you've got to have Jigglypuff. You can't have a Pokemon without having Jigglypuff. Snorlax, Slowpoke. You can't have some Pokemon without a Slowpoke. And Teddy Zura. God, John, what have you done? A hidden egg with Pikachu and Shimon appears above the cockpit window, greeting the world as they were as if they were pilots. Uh, toddlers or travel, sorry, toddlers, travelers flying aboard the Pikachu jet will be joined by Pokemons upon check-in through the exclusive board passes and name tags. Passenger cabins and meals will feature Pikachu jet-themed pillows, tray mats, paper cups and mixed snacks. Flight attendants will also wear aprons featuring Pikachus, and the entertainment system will include 10 hand-picked Pokemon animations so that travellers can immerse themselves in Pokemon fun at all times. In addition to the aircraft amenities... Uh, that word always does me merchandise is being jointly developed by china airlines and pokemon company 
four items include China Airlines Pikachu Jet model aircraft, a mixed snack box, uh, bo- box, blimey, I need another beer, uh, tote bag, flight attendant aprons will be progressively released before the next quarter of the year, travellers on Asia, Palau and Guam flights will be able to order Pokemon merchandise exclusive to China Airlines online before departure. Can I just say for the record, I don't know what alternate universe I'm in right now that I'm drinking scotch out of a PTUK mug while listening to a China Airlines story with Pikachu characters while the Aeroflot boarding music <laughs> plays in the background and there's a hurricane outside my window. <laughs> Not, there's not a lot of kite flying going on outside there. Armando. This epi- what episode is this? Four twenty seven? Yes. This one's gonna this one's gonna go down. <laughs> there you go. I did, did I tell you what, Nev, all jokes aside, I think BA should bring back that those kind of um retro paint jobs they used to have on the tails many years ago yes that wasn't very popular with uh, a previous prime minister of ours was it do you remember mm, yeah. uh, margaret thatcher put her handkerchief over the uh, rudder and tail trim oh a 747 model that was at a um, exhibition once uh, oh. i um, i was a huge fan of those i'm yeah more of a landor fellow yes uh, and yeah. landor is nice yeah, yeah, yeah. true true yeah. true yeah. <laughs> so that uh, brings to a close our commercial airline stories this week. It's safe to say it's been a interesting delve into the commercial aviation media for this week. You'll all agree. Mm. So an unusual Nev, take, yes. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. Just, just wait till the next time we get all together. I don't know. Uh, to Nev, we're going to hand things uh, over to you to introduce the next part of the show. Well, as you know, we are uh, featuring a series of interviews with uh, Chris Burwell, who's the uh, uh, author of Nine Lives, a fascinating tale about about Chris's life uh, in the RAF. And, of course, we subcontracted our good friend Nick Anderson to do the interviews. And uh, this is uh, part two, which talks about um, Chris's time at RAF Wittering. Now, crossing the Atlantic, you've just mentioned it, with four engines seems fair enough, but I'm guessing doing it on only one engine tends to concentrate the mind a little. It does a little bit, yes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a memorable experience, I'd say. Um, as I, I mentioned in my book, that, uh, the, it, was a, it was a very memorable trip, not least the fact that after an hour's flying, after having a, quite a lot of faffing around trying to find out which tanker we were supposed to be crossing the Atlantic with, because East Anglia was just covered in tankers at the time. We took off from Wittering on the Eastley uh, runway, and uh, there were just Victor tankers everywhere. And I was uh, number two to a guy called Chris Bain, a very experienced guy, and uh, we eventually got sorted out with the right tanker. And then we sort of set off across uh, Turn West, uh, heading towards Goose Bay, and I thought, oh, right, now we can relax. And I looked down the side of the cockpit, and we were just coasting in on the east coast of Scotland at that point. And I thought, we've had an hour, and we've got nowhere, you know. But even so, it only took us about five and a half hours to get to Goose Bay from takeoff at Wittering. The Guatemalan Air Force aircraft you might have faced in Belize mm. uh, was the Cessna A-37 Dragonfly. Yeah. How do you reckon you'd have fared against it? I think it would have been very interesting, actually, um, because 
it's not the fastest of aircraft. You know, we, we could operate down to their speed range if we needed to close in for a gun's kill. The problem is that we didn't know where the bullets were going. And uh, the, though we had a gun sight, of course, in the aircraft, it had never been calibrated. And though quite a lot of work was done before we reinforced Belize, we still hadn't really got an aiming solution. So I think that would have been quite interesting. I think, in all honesty, our presence was the thing that counted because once the Harriers arrived, uh, the Guatemalans backed off completely. And it wasn't just the Harriers, of course, it was also the British Army reinforced as well. So there was a lot of reinforcement going in there. Um, but suddenly, of course, nothing happened. After your shortened tour with one squadron, you were sent back to instructional duties, mm. albeit on the Harrier ACU, you mentioned a few hundred yards up the road. Yeah. Were you disappointed to leave the front line? I was very frustrated, yes. Yeah. I mean, you ask about going to be an instructor on your first tour, I could live with that, that was fine. But I really didn't want to get back into instructional duties after only two years on the front line. So, that yes, it was frustrating. Um, there was compensation. It was an interesting job. Um, there is no doubt that teaching people to fly the Harrier is a demanding job. Uh, yeah, everything can go wrong very, very quickly in a Harrier, um, as people will probably appreciate with the nozzle lever and the throttle next to each other. If you get them confused as people may well do when they're very early on the aircraft, everything can go wrong very quickly. So it was a demanding job. Um, I, I have to admit, during that tour, I did sort of flirt with the idea of leaving the Air Force at that time. And in fact, a lot of the instructors on the OCU at the time were doing just that. They'd done their time and they thought, right, it's time to go and earn some money and join the airlines. So I was surrounded by people who were following that course. I certainly thought about it. Um, I didn't get very far apart from getting the notes to study with. I didn't get very far into them. And then other things happened, like I was getting married. Um, I was uh, selected to be a display pilot for my last year on the OCU. And then, of course, I found out I was getting promoted. So everything sort of took over. And I just went, you know what, operational tour out in Germany. Let's go for it. And that's what I did. In your book, you describe what it was like taking off from a semi-prepared dispersal site. Pretty exciting stuff. It always seems to me that a rough field might not have been the best spot, whereas a metalled road, perhaps an autobahn junction, might have served better. Mm. Where would you have gone in a real conflict? Um, on the surface, a road and all the, <coughs> excuse me, the war sites had already been um, surveyed. Um, we had a Harrier plans office out at RAF Guttersloe and their responsibility was to make sure that we had sites ready to go to in war and not just sites but backup sites as well so if we had to move now I didn't know too much about it I did go on one site visit even though I finished up as deputy squadron commander the information was kept under um, close tabs um, and very few people knew much about it. I went out on one site's visit uh, with Keith Grumbly, who was running the Harrier Plans uh, office at the time, and we did go out and have a look at one site. Um, and, and they were basically... Um, gave us the ability to operate off a hard surface, you know, a good bit of road with open, clear area. Not that we needed an awful amount, to be honest, um, but then perhaps... A big factory site with parking where you could put your aircraft undercover inside a factory. Yeah, like Amazon that. Warehouse had they existed. <laughs> Absolutely, you can get a few squadrons in one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, you talk of your engine failure and ejection uh, over Germany in a way that takes us all through the drama of the event. Perhaps you could recount a little of that for us. And I'm curious, was the cause ever established? Um, right, let's start with the cause. The cause was that um, a few flying hours previously, the engineers had carried out a repair on the intake of the aircraft and when they do the repair, they've used rivets um, to put the metal back together again. And when you use a rivet gun, there is a bit of dispensed metal uh, that's fired out from the gun. And that bit of metal is caught in a bag, which is attached to the gun. Now, the right bags had gone in short supply, and the site didn't have the right bag. So what they'd done was they got a plastic bag and they taped it up, and they were using that. And overuse, one of the corners of the bag had got frayed, and so the hot rivet mandrel, the bit of the hot rivet that's left, had fallen out into the intake. And then when the aircraft flew next, that hot rivet mandrel had gone through the engine and had impinged on the blades uh, of the engine. Now, it didn't cause a failure straight away, but what it did do was make a nick in one of the turbine blades so that some flying hours later, I think it was about five and a half hours flying later, I was the lucky man that happened to be sitting on the aircraft where that blade failed and it just destroyed the turbine. So at that point, the engine was never going to produce any thrust again. So that, that was the cause of the accident. So it was interesting enough, like a, a number of accidents, it, there was a whole chain of events there, like the right bag wasn't there, uh, they made do, they'd used another bag that had dropped something into the um, intake, they hadn't picked it up when they'd done the clean-up afterwards, and so ultimately the end, it, that led to an engine failure and the loss of a Harrier GR3 worth about £7 million in those days. So I was the guy sitting in the aircraft when it happened. As far as I was concerned, the, it was fairly straightforward for me. I was flying around in northern Germany, visibility was not very good, I had a number two following me, we were just about to do an attack run under forward air control uh, on a simulated target and I was just turning towards the initial point for the run into the target when there was a couple of fairly um, loud or well felt thumps through the airframe and I thought that doesn't feel right at all and he thought it's not a bird, you know, what could it be? So at that point I was something is not right so I just rolled the wings level climbed up and said to my number two something wrong just come and have a look at the airframe see if you can see any damage or anything so Les Evans who was my number two came up and joined me and of course I'm looking in the cockpit going there's nothing on the warning panel the hydraulic system's looking good the jet pipe temperature's fine there's absolutely nothing um, wrong here at all Les comes up alongside and I see him close aboard on one side goes underneath comes up the other side says all looks okay to me, at which point the engine just failed, just right. as he said that. And uh, so I just suddenly felt a complete loss of thrust accompanied by a lot of heavy rumbling. The whole aircraft was rumbling away and absolutely no thrust from the engine. So at that point, of course, because I lost all thrust, Les got spat out in front of me and I never saw him again. He never saw me again either until I was on the ground. So I converted what speed I had up into height. Uh, I probably got up to about two, two and a half thousand feet maximum, and then got into a glide. Well, the Harrier glide, it's 250 knots. It's got very small wings, 
and you come down very fast. So as I say, my book, I was looking at a whole load of ground coming up to meet me very quickly. And uh, so I went into the relight drill for the engine, which is the only thing I could do. It's a drill that we practice all the time in the simulator. It's very straightforward. I just went through the drill, relit the engine, the engine relit, advanced the throttle, absolutely nothing, just deep rumbling. So I shut it down, tried again, absolutely nothing, and thought, well, I'm out of here. So it's a case of, right, quick call on the radio, I'm ejecting, pull the handle, and that was it. I'm on my way. And we've got your tie and oh, yeah. caterpillar badge <laughs> yeah. in front of us to uh, mark the event. Uh, yeah. And thank the Lord for Martin Baker. Yeah, absolutely. Great company. Absolutely great company. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Follow-up question to that, if I mm. may. Uh, like the Harrier, the F-35 Lightning is also a single-engined aircraft. In mm. view of your experience, do you think that was a particularly good choice? It's, it's technology, isn't it? It's what you need to carry out the job. And um, I mean, F-35's been in service for a few years now, and they actually have a pretty good record. They lost one off the front of the carrier, and I'm still not sure what happened there. Perhaps you know. Uh, uh, I believe they left an intake th- blank yeah, in which got absorbed. Yeah. And that's what I heard, but I don't know yes. whether that's been uh, officially released. I yet, haven't seen an official yeah. um, accident report. Yeah. It's a difficult one, that, isn't it? Because, you know, the more you put engines into an aircraft, um, the more weight you're carrying around for a start and the greater complexity as well and the more risk for anything to go wrong. I mean, we can say, yes, the Harrier had a number of engine failures, but actually that engine kept going in the most dire circumstances at times as well. There's some very good recorded cases of the Harrier, the Pegasus engine coming back with a lot of damage where it just kept going. So... It's always, these things are always a trade-off, aren't they? Discover the pioneers of speed and adventure at one of the UK's most iconic museums. Whether it's a tour of the legendary Concorde, a walk around the Brooklands Aircraft Factory, or maybe a behind-the-scenes look at the McLaren Automotive Cars, the Brooklands Museum has it all. Based at Weybridge in Surrey, it's the perfect day out for all the family. We can also host your private function or meeting in one of our amazing event suites. With so much to see and do, come and take a look at Great Britain's history of speed and flight. Find out more by going to www.brooklandsmuseum.com or give us a call on 01932 857 381. That's 01932 857 381. work again nev well i I merely point the camera and stick a couple of microphones on the fellas but uh, (laughs) what impresses me is actually speaking to someone that's ejected from an aircraft um yeah their story and um yeah it's um it's a bit of a you know hard way to get a martin baker tie but if (laughs) if that's what it takes absolutely but uh yeah extraordinary stuff there from chris and uh because that's just part two. We've got another four parts to go, I'm well, pleased to say. And yeah. uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, Chris has very kindly uh, signed his book for us. So uh, when the series is finished, we'll be uh, doing a quiz and you can win Chris's book as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's Some great, great comments in the chat room, by the way, Nev. I don't know if yeah. you've seen them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah big. I know. I know. Uh, Captain Nick's in the chat room. Thanks again to uh, to Nick for mm. uh, all his uh, hard work as well putting that together with you nev excellent work 
Excellent work, Dick. Yeah, and don't forget, as I say, as I think Nev mentioned, it's going to be released uh, as a, as a separate YouTube uh, series, so you can watch it in full, start to finish, once uh, once it's over. Um, yeah, as I say lots of lovely comments in there from main my, main man Micah and Neil Lamwarn and Dirk S and all sorts. So yeah, really good, really good. So we're going to hand things over for the next part of the show to our resident military expert aficionado. Is of course Armando. Let's do this. Matt, if you're ready, hit the button. course that video of the osprey there is couldn't be more poignant really with the first story could it <laughs> yeah lots of lots of whirly birds here on the on the show right there between the animation and jonathan warner's videos but you've got another video matt that you're going to play out here yeah. um so if you haven't listened to the last three shows we've been talking about this uh u.s air force special operations cv-22 osprey that was uh, stuck on the nature preserve in uh norway uh, so that has been salvaged. It, the uh, operation kind of commenced on the 27th of September. Uh, the aircraft did belong to the 7th Special Operations Squadron there at RAF Mildenhall. Now, this video that you're watching actually came from a, uh, well, via Jonathan Warner from a helicopter Norway uh, enthusiast website. Now, that uh Aircraft obviously made an emergency landing at, at that nature preserve, and they decided to come up with this ingenious plan to get it out. The provisionary path of wooden planking was laid out from its landing place to the coast, which was only about 200 feet. Uh, because of the shallow water, there was a, a boat with a crane that lifted it out, and uh, they took it on a barge to the town of Ceresia, Cereza. Um, there, it was hoisted ashore and put onto this truck, which you're watching right now. Uh, that truck is transporting the machine to the military airfield in Bardufos, which I've actually been to. We did an exercise up there flying in Evanes and Bardufos. Um, all the necessary equipment, at, uh, it'll be much easier to repair the aircraft there at that, at that air base. But you can see from this video... It's actually Norwegian forces and, and a Norwegian cargo company that is uh, handling the transport of the Osprey uh, to that military airbase. And uh, I actually joined this group on Facebook, commented and said, you know, I think we owe you a beer, Norway. I think we owe all of Norway a beer. But you can see they're treating this aircraft with the utmost care and navigating some of these uh you know streets going down it's quite the challenge getting it out of of where it ended up isn't it i mean that the, the roads are not suitable for a vehicle of that size are they the, the, i think like the whole the whole operation is pretty impressive you know from yeah. from building the planks to hoisting it on the barge to taking it to the port to hoisting it onto the uh the truck here the trailer lorry whatever you want to call it it's you know i would love to be on the side watching this thing yeah, and uh, and you did you did show that picture of the of the barge hoisting up the aircraft onto the onto oh that's from the shore onto mm. the barge onto the barge yeah incredible yeah. isn't it 
Yeah. Absolutely. Well done to everybody. Well done to the to the Norwegian armed forces. They're uh, they're really killing it up there. Mm. It's awesome. Wow. That does look pretty awesome. Yep. Um, Carlos, you've got the next story. We alluded to this last week, but uh, it's the, about the new stealth bomber. Yeah, the, uh, this comes to us from the aviationist.com. The new B-21 Raider stealth bomber is to be unveiled in the first week of December. I can almost see Jonathan Warner putting this in his diary. <laughs> At Northrop Grumman Corporation, in partnership with the U.S. Air Force, will unveil the B-21 Raider during the first week of December at the company's Palmdale, California facility. This is the first sentence of the press release that the company had sent out on September the 20th this year, announcing the rollout of the most anticipated rollouts of the decade, the one of the U.S. Air Force's next stealth bomber built by Northrop Grumman and destined to replace the B-1 and B-2 fleets. Since contract awarded in 2015, Northrop Grumman has assembled a nationwide team to design, test and build the world's most advanced strike aircraft. The B-21 is a product of Northrop Grumman's pioneering digital engineering practices and advanced manufacturing techniques together with a breakthrough stealth technology, says the release, that calls the new bomber a sixth generation optimised for operations in highly congested or contested environments using the word of Tom Jones. Corporate Vice President and President Northrop Grumman's Aeronautic Systems, the unveiling will take place at Northrop Grumman's Palmdale site where the bombers are being built. The new bomber that the US Air Force plans to procure in 100 examples has a lot of things in common with the B-2. The main differences are the W-shaped trailing edge of the Raider that is an evolution from the Spirit sawtooth trailing edge and the overall size and weight of the b2's wingspan is 172 feet while the b21 has a payload requirement said to be between two-thirds and half of the b2 uh, that's why the raider will probably be lighter featuring a wingspan smaller than that of the spirit now uh, this is probably the most interesting thing that we are going to access at the public unveiling uh, the size comparison between to the B or between that and the B two, six B twenty one test aircraft are in various stages of final assembly in Palmdale, California, according to Northrop Grumman. The first flight is projected for twenty twenty three. The actual timing of the first flight will be based on ground test outcomes. The new bomber is expected to be ready for service in around twenty twenty six twenty seven with Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota being the preferred location for the first B-21 main operating base. And Dyes, is it Dyes? Air Force Dyes. Base. Yeah. Dyes Air Force Base, Texas being an alternative. Now I can almost sense Jonathan Warner pre-booking <laughs> his flights to go over to the U.S. to see this aircraft being brought out. Or I can almost sense him wishing it's based over here at um at uh, you know <laughs> RF. Well, he, Sorry. he did say in the chat room that he's ready for them to deploy out to fairford in about a million years from now right yeah <laughs> um yeah neil lanwarn in the co- in the comments says hey did you see the new stealth bomber no excellent yes <laughs> my work here is done yes <laughs> don't don't, you know, pa- don't panic jonathan warner by the time that they've got this b21 here in the uk there'll be one at duxford in the hangar on show anyway uh, Nev, are you? Have you pretty much booked all of December 
to be just in Palmdale, California, waiting for this new stuff bomber to to be unveiled. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> no. Funnily enough, um, oh, I thought I saw that in your calendar, but maybe I was mistaken. Yeah, I, think, I think, I think, yeah, I think you look at somebody else's calendar. Yeah. Yeah. but Nev, but Nev, they're giving away a hundred cases of Pinot Grigio. Oh, well, in that case, then I might just see what, see what I can do. Yeah. Arnie Carlson is saying, I remember the first time I did not see the Stealth Bomber at an air show at CAFB. It was a landing gear inside a roped area with three armed guards. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually remember seeing my first Stealth Fighter at an air show. I think it was 1994-95 in uh, Andrews Air Force Base. And it was same, same. It was you know, had a rope. What, with some cards. What's the one on the right-hand side as you go into the American hangar? If, if, if you've got the, the, the runway behind you at Duxford. Oh, the, uh, the, black, in, the Blackbird. Is it the Blackbird? Yeah, it's an SR-71. Yeah, the SR-71, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a very cool thing. <laughs> it is mega. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, Nev, unfortunately, Nev, you have got the next story. It's okay, because it, it's it's procurement going on and I'm, oh, good. I'm, yeah. I'm keen on that we're good with numbers yeah absolutely <laughs> it's uh, on the chambers uh, com. it says that aerospace and defense giant boeing secured a contract to produce 96 apache helicopters for the polish armed forces as the company scales up its manufacturing capabilities in mesa arizona poland's minister of defense announced on september the 8th that the central european nation had selected Boeing Defence Space and Security to be its partner for its attack helicopter programme. An initiative started to replace the currently outdated Soviet-designed MI-24 fleet. Uh, Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Poland has heavily invested in modernising its military. During their International Defence Industry Exhibition, the Apache helicopters took the spotlight and were introduced by Adam Hodges, the team lead for vertical international sales at Boeing. The Apaches for Poland are all expected to be newly manufactured, as Hodges explained to reporters before the announcement. There is no uh, Apache in the boneyard, and in Mesa we produce 80 to 100 aircraft per year. No price tag has yet been released, but a recent deal between Boeing and the Australian government for 29 AH-64E Apache helicopters came in at $3.83 billion. Meanwhile, Boeing's operations in Mesa have only been expanding. On September the 15th, Boeing opened the 155,000-square-foot Advanced Composition Fabrication Centre, which is a $150 million facility which will produce advanced composite components for future combat aircraft programmes. While Boeing said they could not disclose which programmes will be manufactured in Mesa, uh, they said that the newest facility will be at the front end of the next capabilities coming down for our warfighter. This deal comes as the aerospace industry continues to grow in Arizona. Leading companies including Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, Raytheon Missile and Defense and Northrop Grumman have expanded operations throughout the state in recent years. In a statement by Boeing, the company said that the Apache deal will strengthen US-Polish military ties by enhancing interoperability and cooperation between Poland, the US Army and NATO nations. Polish officials also applauded the deal for increasing security in the region, noting that such a fundamental benefit is the fact that the Polish army is armed with modern weapons. The immediate advantage is that Poland is safe. 
So that's quite a big deal, isn't it? It's a 96, uh, 96 Apaches. Gosh. Well, it is, and it's and it's a uh, it's a shot across the bow to Russia that they're replacing their Soviet Mi twenty four you know based fleet with uh, with Western Apaches or American Apaches. So, yeah, pretty clear message. Uh, this is huge. This is huge for the economy in Arizona too, because um, you know Boeing commercial has had its ups and downs, but I think Boeing defense other than the KC-46, and even that really didn't affect them too, too, too much. But uh, Boeing Defense has generally had a, a pretty stable, if not upward, uh, you know, trend in profitability and, and growth. And, uh, yeah, ordering 96 new helicopters is is just another, uh, you know, another another boost to, to the Eastern European security, uh, especially with the current situation, right? Mm, absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, we're, let's finish out the military segment with a little P3. Um, Love the P3. Gonna, One of my faves. Yeah, we're going to straddle the fence here again uh, between military and commercial. And, I, and and it was episodes 268 and 370, I think, or 268 and 270 that we um, had the uh, Hurricane Hunters on. But uh, 268 and 370, yep. So this uh, Hurricane Hunter which you guys have seen on the show already um, with hurricane Ian, they have this new technology. They launched the first Altia 600 drone, and it was the first drone ever to fly into a hurricane from the NOAA WP3D. Um, I, I remember the, the aircraft commanders was Lieutenant commander Khan. Um, they nicknamed this the Kermit, it was uh, rocked by turbulence so violent after an eyewall penetration that many aboard suffered air sickness. We're going to have a video on this uh, at the end of the story. Now, Matt has a, a picture that he just showed there. That picture was actually taken at night, and the lightning was so intense and so bright that it made it look like a daytime picture. But uh, according to Joe, uh, Joe Sioni, one of the lead meteorologist for uh for for noah on the airplane he said a lot of people had barf bags filling up oh dear. Barf bags. there you go, there you go. Oh. Oh. the the uh flight was apparently so turbulent that noah hurricane hunter nick underwood who we're, we're going to watch his video in a second who was one of 18 people aboard the flight called it one of the roughest of his career so far oh. um another technician said that they got slammed uh pretty hard and and he had flown in some 150 eyewall penetrations in about 25 different P3 flights. Uh, two staffers from the uh, Area I, it's a Marietta, Georgia company that makes this drone, um, said uh, we're real heroes too because both of them were sick and not feeling way not feeling well at all. They still managed to do the job. They were onboard specialists. Um, guiding that drone so their job was to help uh so the drone is about 40 inches long it's 23 pounds 100 inch wingspan when it's deployed uh they were helping guide it into the eye of hurricane ian in order to help fix its center or the eye and then gather other data needed to help gauge the intensity and uh tracking the storm of course um now by all accounts this was no slam dunk the eye wall was in the middle 
of rearranging itself when <laughs> when they flew through it. It wasn't an oval shape instead of a perfectly round, which is a sign that the storm is actually intensifying while they were flying in it. And uh, according to them, it was pretty unnerving conditions. Now, they did say that um, they managed to launch the drone and babysat it for a few minutes so it could get its bearings. And they did that under, uh, you know, the conditions that, that were obviously very severe turbulence. And you can see from the video there, um, that's probably with some GoPro stabilization even. And you can see the wing is is rocking there. <laughs> but uh, apparently the flight was so rough that Noah waved off any further eyewall penetration attempts uh, while still monitoring the hurricane, collecting operationally valuable data and providing telemetry support for the drone. Um, there you go. So the, the drone is actually a, a, a modified version of an army drone, uh, an ALE. It did keep flying for two hours after being launched, uh, providing data from inside the storm that the, that the airplane could not. And the whole time the crew inside the, the P3 was able to maintain communications with the drone using a data link from as far away as uh, about 125 miles. Yeah, you can you can see there from those videos. It it was it was no joke inside that storm, huh? <clears throat> I mean, it's it uh, you know, you, you see they're all wearing seat belts and stuff. He's holding the camera as best he can. I mean, on Oh my goodness me. Yeah, now this video actually made national news. Yeah, they, I'm not uh, surprised. Yeah, cuz it was so rough. And I remember when I was interviewing these guys, they were talking about how each hurricane has its own personality to it. And, you know, some of the most severe looking ones were actually pretty mild to fly through and then vice versa. But it seems like this, uh, you know, being a, a, four, a category four borderline five hurricane with uh, in match the, the flight conditions in there as they're. <laughs> They're getting rocked pretty good in there. Indeed. You know, in their P3. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Brave people. I couldn't, I could not be in that aircraft. Not an option. Not an option yeah. at all. <laughs> There'd definitely be some sick bags flying around there. I think even for a yeah. well season flyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's pretty much all I have for the military this week. And I think we've got a good interview coming up next, don't we? Yeah, Nev, what's going on next? Well, we're going back to Jersey just to uh, catch up on a few of the things that were going on during the uh, evening before the uh, international air display. And, of course, these events can't really take place without volunteers. And I bumped into Alex, who's one of the volunteers for the air show. Well, I'm here with uh, Alex, who's one of the volunteers here at the Jersey Air Show. And, of course, these events don't happen without volunteers, do they, Alex? That's right. Um, we've got a lot of uh, international and uh, local people that help out. Uh, and it's something that really takes place uh, throughout the whole year. So it's something that uh, Mike's already planning for next year, uh, Mike Higgins, the organiser. And we try and help out where we can with various different roles that go on, from helping marshalling through the safety side and also helping to get some of the sponsorship that uh, is really necessary to keep an event like this going. What are some of the challenges that you're facing at the moment? The, the challenges are around making sure that uh, the event is properly funded and we get all the support around making sure that the, um, 
all the uh, charities that this event uh, helps with regards to the Royal Air Force Association, for example, can continue to raise funds for uh, for um, uh, for their uh, purposes as well. Um, but yeah, the challenges are. Uh, increased fuel costs, obviously, uh, and difficulty in obtaining some of the, the planes. Um, a lot of the Air Force uh, planes are being used for uh, operational duties, so it's always a challenge to try and get hold of them. But um, bigger, bigger and better next year, we hope. Yeah, it's, it's a vital part on the island, isn't it? I, I think the air show, it, it really is. It is. Um, it's a very special event in the heart of the island, uh, for obvious reasons, because of the uh, history during World War II and the fact that a lot of um, Allied and uh, Axis airmen actually lost their lives in and around the islands uh, you know, during those dark times. Very much so. And um, We were talking earlier on about aviation heritage and, and how important it is that it should be preserved. It is. Um, there's been some great work recently, some planes that have not flown for... 70, 80 years that are hopefully coming back, um, some big projects going on, and for uh, young, chill, uh, uh, young, young people to be able to see these uh, planes flying, not, not a part of uh, your history in a book, but to actually see them flying, and to commemorate the lives of the men that uh, flew them as well. Very much so, that's an important part, and as you said, you know, it's an important thing to get the youngsters understanding aviation, and it's important Absolutely. for them to come through with their careers later It is. Um, another part of the display that's maybe unseen, or uh, people don't really understand or see, is the... Um, the, the fact that uh, a lot of the scouting groups uh, uh, and also some of the um, uh, schools are invited up to actually see the planes up close and to meet the crews and stuff like that. So we're always trying to encourage uh, the next generation of enthusiasts and hopefully volunteers as well. Well, it's fantastic, Alex, and thank you so much for all that you do as well. It's a vital part of the It's a pleasure and it's a great community effort and uh, it's a team and uh, you know, we all uh, enjoy doing it and we enjoy uh, greeting all our old friends that come back year after year. Fantastic. Great to meet you, Alex. Thanks Thank so, you. so much. Thank you. You're Thank you. There we go. Great interview. Thanks, Nev. It's, uh, he, he sounded like a, he sounded very enthusiastic about what he was up to. Very much so, and it was nice to have a ch- uh, chat with Alex. I had a longer chat with them after the camera stopped rolling, mm. actually, as well. And uh, But, yeah, huge team of people down there making all this happen. And we've got another interview coming up in a couple of weeks' time with uh, some of the other volunteers as well. So, uh, Wonderful. And we'll get round to showing some uh, a- aviation action as well. Ooh, we will. To give you an idea of uh, what goes into some of the, the planning of all this. I think that, that was one thing that, that me and Nev took from this was the fact that we were privy to all the before air show goings on which you don't normally get a chance to obviously see so that was very good indeed very good. i bet i bet so we are gonna bring the show to a close episode 427 of the show have a quick look at the social medias let's have a look where you can find us online facebook twitter and instagram search for us on there just search for playing talking uk uh that whatsapp number if you want to send a picture to go on the green screen behind me or matt you can send that to plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six or you can send us a voice message through there 
as well. Uh, we'd appreciate that very much. If you want to email the show, you can send us an email. Podcast at plaintalkinguk.com is that email address. And if you want to check out the website, it's all the w's.plaintalkinguk.com. You can check out our website on there. You'll find links to Patreon, uh, PayPal if you want to become a donator to the show does help immensely with putting the show together uh, like you wouldn't believe um and also the links are on there for our shop where you can buy yourself some ptuk merchandise as well and there's also the link on there if you do your shopping via amazon you can use the link on there it doesn't cost you a penny but it helps us uh, to give a few little shekels our way every now and again <laughs> indeed so uh, that's about it really guys for this week and indeed. um yeah so just to let everybody know, next week, unfortunately, our programme won't be live. We do have a show all lined up for you. We've got a we great do. interview with uh, Chris Burwell. Um, and uh, have we got anything from the Jersey Air show? Yes, we have. We've got yep. uh, a 22-minute piece, I'm pleased to say, <gasps> Ooh, uh, say, all about the OV-10 Bronco. Oh, that is good. And, oh, you uh, need to watch that. Carlos interviewing the pilot, and we get the chance to go airside, and we squeeze Carlos into the cockpit. <gasps> How exciting! I can't wait. In. And uh, we have a chat with uh, the pilot actually uh, at uh, Jersey Airport itself. So it is one to see. Uh, one to see, good, guys. Uh, it's a good chat, and he's a fascinating fellow. Isn't I he? bet. I bet. So yeah. yes. So so no live show next week, unfortunately, because I'm on holiday. Whoop whoop. And Carlos, unfortunately, is uh, also uh, not able to come to the studio on. I'm, Friday. I'm in DJ Friday. mode he's next in DJ Friday. Mode next Friday. Yeah. And uh, Armando is probably going to be stuck in a hurricane somewhere. And uh, Nev, well, you'll probably need to lie down, frankly, after the week you've well, got ahead. Flying back from Glasgow, so I'll still be on the plane tomorrow. But but uh, remember, we remember, we have got a show next week. Absolutely. We have got yeah. a show. We will be back on there next week, just not live. Yep. So the show will be live. So if you all want to get together in the chat room, I might even dip into the chat room while yeah. I'm DJing oh, just for a laugh free. next week. Indeed. Uh, I'll try. If the, if the signal's good on the boat, I'll, I'll dip in as well. But So yeah, we will be I here. Haven't quite we'll, mastered, we'll be here. haven't quite mastered being able to do a live show from the Norfolk Broads yet. so that is it then guys and girls thanks to everyone in the youtube chat room tonight all the family members in there as always thanks to you and thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast and don't forget when you download an audio show if you get two minutes spare in your day if you could give us a little review on the platform that you download us on that would be fantastic so that's it then for this week take care everyone have a great weekend whatever you're doing if you're in the u.s stay safe stay away from that blooming old hurricane thing and uh, we will see you well we'll see you next week kind of thing and that will be back again very soon on your screen so from me carlos here in my home studio from matt in the ptuk master suite studio from nev in his glorious studio in Buckinghamshire, and from Armando across the pond in the US, in his stately home manor. (laughs) Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Kind of. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 